This is Sazine Kohler, and this is Microphones of Madness. Hey, everybody. Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. Uh, sorry we're a little late. We had a guest visitor in the pre-show. It was Larry Squamish. Yes, Lehman Kessler of Ask Lovecraft dropped by to chit-chat for a little bit. Um, tonight, we uh, it is the 5th of November, so remember, remember the 5th of November, and happy Guy Fox Day for those of you who celebrate that sort of shit. Um, we are talking Luke Cage. <laughs> We're talking about Luke Cage, and tonight we are joined by a special guest, uh, author and artist behind Red Velvet Requiem. Lily Dickey is here. Say hello to everybody. Hi. Full of enthusiasm, that one. And uh, since we are talking about Luke Cage, I am having coffee. I'm going to drink coffee. <laughs> so that way at least one of us got coffee tonight. I want to get to sleep tonight. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Marvel's Luke Cage Netflix series broke the fucking internet. Um, There was, you know, we saw Daredevil, we saw Jessica Jones, but there was something about this particular series that seemed like everyone wanted to watch it. Um, I think my wife went up to Burger King or something like that. They were watching it on an iPad in the drive-thru while they were working. They weren't supposed to be watching it, but they were. Hey, on the free Burger King Wi-Fi, that must have been. That was the, That's the, what the broke the Burger King on <laughs> That's but. what broke the internet. But uh, yeah, I mean this this show was a phenomenon. It was an I liked it. It was an excellent show. Um, you know, what did you guys think overall of the show? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was the best of the three. <laughs> best of the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know after Daredevil season two, it was definitely a big difference in that you know in seeing Luke Cage. They could have skipped Daredevil season two and just went gave me Luke Cage and I would have been happy. I agree. Daredevil season two might have been the worst of them. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would say I would say Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Daredevil season one, and then way at the bottom, Daredevil season two. Yeah. All right. So Luke Cage, of course, character. What was the, when did he start? Seventy six. No, seventy two. Seventy two. Yeah, it was old. Oh Ooh. damn! Way back. Hold on, I'll check. Wait, I thought yeah. it was seventy. I thought it was maybe seventy three. Maybe. Uh, okay, Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, published by Magazine Management Company, copyright nineteen seventy two in June, volume June one, number one, June. Ah. There is the first splash page. Ah, big white screen. There it is. Hero for Hire. Talk so you can see it. There you go. Hey, it's just Rodney. Rodney Out of hell, a hero. Luke It's got a dice and the word Harlem and a woman in a slinky dress and a cop and a police car with the siren blazing. 
So your typical exploitation fair, yes. Yeah. Cards for because you got to card. What no spade? No, yeah, right there, Ace of Spades. It's got it's got Lemmy's card right there. Yep, there it is. <laughs> now, yeah, Luke Cage, of course, was written created as a character to capitalize on the black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. It is very evident if you read the early stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, back yeah. back in the days of Archie Goodwin, and. Uh, yeah, the the probably the most important to to understand the television series is the first two issues of Luke Cage Hero for Hire, right? Um, written by uh, Goodwin, Goodwin and pencils were John Romita Senior, weren't they? Uh, no, he was a creator. It was a uh, George Tosca. Ah, still another one of the the old school like legends, though. Yeah, and uh, you know they they Roy Thomas and John Romita. Who was mm-hmm. just John Romita back then? There was no senior, right? There was no juniors to have a senior, right? So, uh, yeah, they were in on it, and I think it was basically the bullpen was sitting around going, "We need to make money off of this." <laughs> Stan, what do you think? Stan's like, "I saw this movie named Shaft, and uh, I, I think I'm we sure, should make that into a comic." I'm sure Stan Lee was like, "Yeah, let's do it," but I don't want to do it, so you do it, <laughs> right? Well, have. Archie doing. <laughs> Archie, it's your turn. Time to shine. Right. Now, a lot of things have changed. I mean, they, they basically, with with the character of Diamondback, and we'll get into the, some of the other characters in a minute, the storyline between Luke Cage and Diamondback um, was similar, but they reversed some of the roles around for the television series. And they also made them a lot closer than what they are in the comics. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, in the comics, they were running buddies. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were they were best buds. And then, yeah. And are we in spoiler territory? Are we going to put oh, yeah, a yeah, big yeah. ass oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah, there? Yeah. All right. Just making sure. Yeah, you know, in the show, they're brothers, half brothers. Half brothers. Both of them, son of a preacher man. Which I love that touch. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel forced. No, no, it didn't. It didn't feel forced. Um, you know, the animosity was there. You know, it's like, you know, Daddy always loved you better. You know, and oh, Carl Lucas could do no wrong. It, it, the whole man. preacher, the son of a preacher man thing has a really big say about their characters, too, considering that they're both from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Based on even, though, even though in the, yeah, in the comics, they're both from Harlem originally. Exactly, but in, in the in the show, it's uh, yeah, they're from Georgia. It's very evident that it's important. It's something I'm not sure everybody will understand, especially about black churches. Mm-hmm. Preachers, it man, they're the top of the top, and they usually filthy. That's the best mm-hmm. way I can put it. So, the so the children of preachers are held on a on a certain pedestal, which I'm pretty sure it's like that with other churches too. But it's very prominent in the South, right? It's it's prominent in, in white churches in the South, too. If you're a preacher's boy, you're a preacher's boy. Right. Um, and, and same same with daughters, but, you know, more more often than More not, so because, with the boys, because the, the, yeah. the daughters tend to get, like, well, you shouldn't do that when you're a preacher's son. It's like, I'll leave him alone. He's just being a, a guy. That's right. 
Yeah, my knowledge of that just comes from music. <laughs> from I, I, I'm speaking <laughs> from experience in this this aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, just right. So, so Luke is imprisoned, both in the comics and and in the television show. He's put into prison, uh, framed for a crime he didn't commit. Um, and to get parole, he volunteers for a medical treatment in the comics. In the television series, he is forced into it because of he was being he was participating. Straight up blackmailed into it. He straight up blackmailed into it. Saves his life. Right, beaten, beaten by some of the other inmates to a pulp, to the point where he had to go into this treatment, this experimental treatment, to save his life. Well, but he was earmarked for it anyway. Right, he was already he was going earmarked. in either way. He just ended up going in. Before. Right, they fast tracked yeah, him because he wouldn't time. do it willingly. They forced him into it. Oh yeah, way. yeah, and. We say force, we mean force, because it wasn't like they kicked his ass once. They kicked his ass three or four times before they blackmailed him. Right. Right. Now, uh, this is this is very similar origin story to Captain America, really. You notice that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think... Oh, I think it's, in, it's on purpose, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think of the Defender series, they are setting Luke as up as the Cap character. No, I mean, they, the comics. Oh, yeah, even in the comics, it's very similar to Captain America. And particularly um, in the show, because they, they made it a point to mention him in, 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 in ways like, oh, you're the black Captain America, huh? Stuff like that. Yeah, they, they say they, stuff, they literally say it. stuff in the, in the show saying you are the black version of Captain America. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, this this will get you, Steve. Is it's very very similar to Truth, Red, White, and Black. It is. I was gonna. I was gonna mention that. That you know the experiments they were subjecting the inmates to. Very similar type of program to that that comic. Right. Um, and the prison guard, or I think in the television series, Rackham was like the head guard. Yeah. Yeah, he was the the the. Uh, he was either the head guard or the the most influential guard. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the exact term for it at the moment, but yeah, he was he was the one over all of them. Yeah, the, the big screw. <laughs> no, that's not the technical term I was looking for. <laughs> he was, a big I was actually boss. looking for the actual police term for it, but yeah, <laughs> he's what, boss commander? man. He's boss man. <laughs> we'll work with that. Yeah. Um. Rackham comes in, interferes with the experiment, and something goes wrong, and it gives Luke Cage superhuman strength and impenetrable skin. And a healing factor, because everybody in Marvel Comics has to have a healing factor. Because if you get the super strength, you gotta have the healing factor. I have a problem with his with part of the plot because of his impenetrable skin. But... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Alright. So... As a result, impenetrable skin means that Luke Cage is bulletproof. Um, and being super strong, he's, you know, the only thing he's missing is really is flight and lasers shooting out of his eyes. In time. <laughs> but, but I, they, they, I think they handled it very well. Overall, the series really kind of downplayed his powers other than the bulletproof skin. 
hasn't all of these series pretty much downplayed their powers though? Yeah, I mean, even Daredevil does. Yeah, I'd say Daredevil's the least much. downplayed, but it still doesn't just focus on what he does. Right, and it's not like the Daredevil film with with Batfleck, where every you know ten fifteen minutes they have to show you what radar vision looks like. Yeah, this is uh, with Je- particularly with Jessica Jones. Like you spend a, a few episodes before she does anything with her powers. Right, right. I mean, I think and what, Daredevil her- comes close. It's because if you, you if you know who Daredevil is, you know he has powers. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason you realize he has powers because when he fights, he just looks like somebody that's really good at fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. He happens to be blind. Right. And he's good with his baton. Right. Right. But um, it's just one of the things I think helps the show because it's not a superhero show; it's a drama with superheroes. Right. I I thought you know it's a it's a crime drama. With right, a, a man with extraordinary powers, um, and it works very well as just just a crime drama. Exactly, had no powers, the the drama aspect of the show would have worked very well. Well, that's where the black exploitation origins come into play too, because this is what it feels like. It feels like a more modernized black exploitation film mm-hmm. without the, the exactly. They they managed to pull down the camp in it, was right. like what was needed. Like they right. took out the camp and they kept the story because that's what Black Exploitation was. It was mm-hmm. drama and they added camp to make it palatable. Right, and a lot of action. Right now, um, and a wall panel. Yeah this this show had a fucking dynamite cast. It was like everybody, down to like people who would come on for five minutes, turned in just excellent performances all the way around. Even the most minor thugs, you felt you, like you, you yeah. felt like they were real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does anybody have a particular favorite character other than Luke? Fish. Okay, Lily. Uh, I'm actually partial to Black Mariah. Mm. Yeah, she was good. Alfred Woodward, you know, she turned. She's good. Knock it out the park, in. and of course, Cottonmouth was superb. Yeah, it's really hard to pick her. favorites out of it because all of them are just so good. You know what I mean? Like Misty. Oh my God. Yeah, Misty, oh, Misty uh, Knight is amazing. Uh, she she stole the show. The scene when she's in the box, mm-hmm. when she gets her badge back. Yeah. This isn't your badge. <laughs> this badge belongs to the people of New York. And you can just see her. Just, she doesn't say a word. But you could just see her face where she's just like, I'm going to just fuck you. Give me my badge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Give me my badge. And the journey she goes on through the whole show, because she goes through just as big a journey as Luke goes through. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing everything ain't working the way I thought it was working, and I'm really not the one in control. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, and you get really weird. We were talking before the show about Scarf. And Scarf is, he comes on, he's a likable character. You can't help but really like him. I didn't trust him for minute one. He's he's (laughs) got rapport. He's got rapport. I loved him, but I never trusted him. I mean, and then he goes through, then he goes through and he kills the fucking witness. And you still like him. And you still fucking like him because he goes in, he goes back to the office and he's still, you know, looking out for his partner. 
And you know, he kind of tried to make it right. He kind of yeah. tried to make it right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really making it right. It was him trying to save his ass. Right. right. But but you know you wanted you wanted yeah you were rooting right. for him. I felt I felt bad for him when he when he and, and then they killed him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that one stung a little bit. Yeah, yeah that was uh you know you, you know they always have the character that dies. Um, well, this got plenty of them, unfortunately. Yeah, but you know, Scarf was probably one of the 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 most impacting deaths, simply because you know you spent so much time liking him. Then he did his face heel turn. He's my second most impactful death. Not in terms yeah. of like, but in terms of effect on the narrative and just the impact oh, yeah. of the moment he died. It's like he was he was number one until a certain part, and I'm pretty sure you know which part I'm talking about. Yeah, the wine certain, bottle impacting the back of Cottonmouth's head, and you're just like, oh, No, shit. actually, no. I wasn't expecting that, but that's number three for me. Number one... Mm-hmm. Is the last witness the one that could have cleared Luca everything? She got killed. Ah, uh, because the fact that you saw it coming for so long, and it yeah. still happened because there were so many chances they had to keep her from dying. It was just yeah, one little was, screw up. <laughs> and and the really fucked up thing was is that she was called from Misty's phone, and you yeah. know that's gonna eat Misty alive. And you know it was fucking Shades that did it. It was. And that is another character. I think if Mariah's my number one, Shades might be my number two in terms of interesting characters in that show. Because mm-hmm. he, oh, yeah. he's straight up, like, if you look at it in terms of Avengers, he's fucked. He's manipulating everything. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea why. <laughs> yeah, he, he is kind of like a, a, a street-level Loki. He's not taking. He's not taking the big power for himself. Yeah, he's just making a spot where he fits, and then helping stuff happen. Yeah, it, you know, Shades doesn't doesn't gain anything really over the course. I mean, he comes in at originally he's working for Diamondback, then he comes in and he's like, okay, well, I'm okay, going to work with. Connie he's now. working for the uh, guard. Right. Originally, he works for Rackham. He is always. The right Somebody's hand. right hand. He's always the right hand. Which, in a way, is makes him smarter than any of them. Because once you're the man of power, you're next to get knocked off. Well, and then but, when he almost took power, mm-hmm. and Diamondback was like, he got slapped. You want to do he that? Got thing slapped back down. He's like, oh, okay. I see. I don't need the top. I need to be right under the top. <laughs> That's right. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm. I don't ask too many questions. Now, the first, I would say, speaking of shades, the first big death of Luke Cage was, of course, Pops, who was an amazing character himself. It was. In a very short amount of time, he made a very large impact. Oh, yeah. An episode and a half? Yeah, in his his own way, because, like, Pops, everybody in the show knows Pops. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Even Shades knew who Pops was. <laughs> right. And, you know, there was the, the scene where, uh, shoot, I forget who the, the thug, who Cottonmouth's thug was, who zip. went and Zip. No, it was not Zip. I can't uh, remember that guy's name because I, I, I don't remember. He, only he, was, he was the right yeah. hand. He the one, was the, the one, right the hand. One he put, yeah. Yeah. yeah, him. Now, 
he was there and you see him, you know, he's like shooting up the barbershop and everything. And once the, you know, he stops shooting, they do that. They kind of do like a medium range shot where shades is kind of sitting off to the left and he pulls his glasses off and he's like, what the fuck did you just do? You know, and it's one of those things that all he did was just like, look with a facial expression. And yeah, it's one of those you MF and idiot. That's what that look was. Mm-hmm. It's like you have no idea what you just did. Yep. And then you know, he they go back to Cottonmouth, and the other guy's like, you know, uh, he talking tough and shit like that. Like I handled that. I handled that. And then, I looked that shit up. Yep. <laughs> and then he got handled. And then and then uh, Shades turned around. And was like and he's like, well, you know, we'll we'll Cottonmouth's like we'll get pops some money to you know repair the stuff. He's like, well. Pops is dead. <laughs> and Cottonmouth's like, what? You know, and so so even even Cottonmouth, for as vicious as he is, as a villain, is a villain with honor. Um, he and Mariah make for very interesting sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. Because... Because in essence, they are the same person. Right. But they do it differently because Cottonmouth was never as ruthless as Mariah is. Mariah tries to pretend to be what Cottonmouth should have been. Right. I, well, I, I would take it one step further and say that Cottonmouth was, uh, he actually had the honor and the love for his community. Right. It's just like they, they were playing, they were pretending to be who the other really was. Right. Mariah was the ruthless person that Cottonmouth was always tried to be molded into. Mm-hmm. Cottonmouth was who she was pretending she was. Right. Because, you know, Mariah took after Mabel in in more ways than one. Mm, like a clone, man. Yeah, and Cottonmouth wanted nothing to do with it. He just wanted to be a musician. He just wanted to play his organ and be mm-hmm. a musician. And, and that music... You know, we this keeps Plays coming back on how huge in part in this show. Um, you know, you have Cottonmouth's meditations where he sits there and he plays the the Hammond. No. Something like that. I forget what kind of organ it was I looked, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, he plays the, the thing and he, every pivotal moment is set to a piece of music. And each each piece of music reflects that moment, and and even the titles the, the titles of the episodes were titles of Gangstar songs. Mm-hmm. So you know it had to be, it was just music had this importance to it. Honestly, and, you could watch the entire show with just the soundtrack and no mm-hmm. dialogue and know exactly what was happening, down to pretty the much. exact emotions. Pretty much, pretty much. But I think the dialogue, you got to It helps, but it's just this, that's how powerful the soundtrack is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That if you were to turn off the soundtrack, like, actually turn off the dialogue, keep keep everything going, just turn that dialogue track off and have the soundtrack playing and just mm-hmm. watch it, you would get the same impact. Right. Now, another character who comes in and, and really, like, delivers another bang-up performance is uh, Rosario Darson, Dawson uh, revising the, reviving the role of Claire Temple from... She was in uh, Jessica Jones briefly. She was a major player in... Yeah. 
major player in Daredevil season one. Yeah, she's, the, think, she's the glue that's bonding them all together right now. Yeah, right, right. I think she really came into Luke Cage and, and really it was her time to shine in, in this in this series. And, of course, Claire Temple, very important in the uh, first few issues of the comic. They downgraded her, though. They downgraded her to a nurse. In the comics, she's a full-blown doctor. But You know, it's not a huge downgrade, considering, especially now, how much more nurses know than they knew then. Right. Because nurses aren't that far removed from doctors. It's honestly a degree. Because nurses know just as much as doctors do in most cases, especially considering it's like it's not like Claire's just a regular nurse. She's a pretty high up nurse. Like she's an RN, I think. No, she knows what she's doing. I mean, yeah, she, she knows what she's doing. She's just she's, she's the out. one that's a step below a doctor. She's a she's a emergency room and uh, yeah. like a triage nurse stuff like that. So she yeah, and well, she's she the one who figured out that it was a uh, comp shells that were the abalone. She figured that out. Um, I, say she, I think she's a, she's like an emergency room RN. It's like they literally are just a, a fraction lower than a doctor. They're the mm-hmm. ones that actually do everything. The doctor comes in and gives the okay. <laughs> right. And, and really, the way they handled, handled Claire within this show kind of made me want to see a Claire Temple show. I would like to see that too, but I don't know how they do it. Right. I mean, you'd have to, it would be one of those things where, you know, you'd have to throw in guest appearances by other Marvel heroes or other famous Marvel you characters. You have the Night Nurse. Well, but, yeah, and I mean, they're going to get to it. There, there's no way they can't give her her episodes when they start doing the, the Defenders. Well, I mean, she's at the end of Luke Cage, she grabs a uh, flyer for Colleen Wing's martial arts academy so they might add her to the daughters of the dragon could be and of course she just she really has a way of being in the right place at the right time oh yeah oh yeah and usually when somebody's very badly hurt but uh yeah. i really thought that they were going to take misty's arm i really thought they were going to do it <laughs> i thought shield was going to come and recruit her and give her the robot arm I didn't think, as bad as she was shot, I didn't think they could save it. Now, speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D., what the fuck is is bullets made from Chitauri metal doing circulating with no S.H.I.E.L.D. input whatsoever? Yeah. (laughs) That's plot. And then it it also, because, I mean, like, they're, they're not doing it yet. You know they really want to, but really there's logistical reasons why the movies and the TV shows really can't work together right now. Because mm-hmm. they get made in such a different amount of time. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, considering the time period that this is, this seems like it's in, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s out of commission right now. <laughs> that's the only thing I can figure is is that, yeah. Because the, they keep referring to the incident during... Right they, keep, right. they keep referring to Avengers 1. But they don't refer to any of the other films, so it's like the entire Netflix universe takes place, you know, prior, you know, at post Avengers one, but prior to the events of say like Captain America: The Winter Soldier or something like that. Well, I I honestly think they, that's just in there to ground it and to 
They'll make you remind, remind you. This is I, think, I think the reason it feels like that is that if you think about it, like it could be before Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. but the stuff that leads to this to the dissolving of Shield is not exactly like big front page news. That's the kind of shit that gets covered up real quick. <laughs> right, right. But like we don't that kid, about- that kid that got video. Maybe mm-hmm. he got video or some of it, but nobody's gonna know what it was. <laughs> right. Now, you know, but yeah, they they only tie it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe through the mentions of the of Chitari invasion. In, I think that's uh, probably contractual. Right. It probably is. I mean, they hint at other stuff too. It's just that that's the one thing where they can go, yeah, the incident. And have people go, oh, that's when that was. Well, that and then, and then they they do things like say, oh, you're the Black Captain America, or you don't need to have long blonde hair and a hammer. Yeah. If you turn this pistol into a magic hammer, then yeah, I'll go do that, or something like that. I think the scarf theme seemed to be a big Thor fan. <laughs> Imagine that. Now. Was there anything you guys thought the show was lacking? I haven't had the chance to watch it all the way back through recently mm-hmm. since my first my first binge watch. Right. So that's really the only way I would be able to nitpick at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have heard nitpicks that I could address. Right. I mean, personally, I don't have any at the moment. Just like I said, it would take me like maybe two, maybe two more watches to really just start dissecting it. Because mm-hmm. I, I just, I was alone for the ride on the first time. Because everything from the music and, and the story, I was just absorbing it. <laughs> if it takes two subsequent viewings, yeah, I don't really see to, there being it, anything wrong. And with that's it. just yeah, you know, whatever. That's, that's just kind of yeah. minor. Because right. when I watch the second season of Daredevil, there was a laundry list of shit I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And right. I wasn't and watching it again to to pick through it. Right. Yeah, that's but, why I said it like that. It's like, right now, no, I can't say that there's anything that I thought was wrong with it. Yeah, there's there's very little that jumps out at you. Yeah, the nitpicks that I've heard are, are things that I would address as to why they don't bother me. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about those because there's there's a lot of of controversy over controversy and, over the show, song. which I think was um, undeserved. Okay, so let's start off with it being too black. No such thing. Okay, agreed. If but, people but, want to make that argument. The, the counter argument I make then how come I can't say that every time I turn on the TV? Whether something's too white? Yes. Or not black enough? Too white. I'm not gonna go not black enough, too <laughs> white. Because honestly, how many TV shows are there where the entire cast is nothing but white people? I'd say a, a lot. About 80% of them. And I'm being generous with the 80%. I don't want to seem like I'm being an ass. <laughs> You look like the harmless and, and racially diverse cast of a CW show. Right. <laughs> it's gotten a lot better than like when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
when I was in high school, there was Friends. I didn't watch Friends. You know why? There were no black people on Friends. You I didn't understand that humor. You know, I, I didn't. But I didn't understand that world they were living in. <laughs> well, I didn't understand the world they were living in. But I don't even think that the cast of Friends knew any black people. They lived in a city. There weren't even black people walking down the street. They lived in New York. <laughs> They, lived in New York. they were supposed to be struggling in New York, and they're when I lived in New York. When I lived in New York, I my, and I was struggling. I had maybe an eighth of the amount of apartment that those people had. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they they live in these giant apartments. Um, you know, they they have plenty of disposable income. Yeah, they're always drinking coffee. Yeah, like maybe two of them had jobs. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. But that's my point. It's like, you know, like, we're not allowed to complain about that, but then you get a show like Luke Cage. It's too black. It's like, okay, all right, we'll take it back to the 90s again. Did you feel like uh, a different world was too black for you? They probably did. Some people did, but they didn't voice it because, you know, it's just they didn't say it. Right. Well, then you'd get the wrath of Cosby. Right. Well, you know, Cosby was the safe black. Right. Well, not anymore. <laughs> was. I mean, it, that, that's a conversation for a different time because that's a whole other kettle of. I mean, like, black community has a certain way they feel about the situation, too. Because, yes. I mean, you have to understand what Bill Cosby meant to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now. Like, he was the pillar. Like, Bill Cosby was like, yeah, that's where you want to go. And now. Right. And now, no, it's not. Like, I still, I still got friends still saying it's a conspiracy. It's like, no, that that's a he did that. <laughs> yeah. Now, also, and and maybe it's not that the show necessarily was too black. It really was brought it's about a lot of issues. It was the themes because that's the one thing that I really. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I can't find things to nitpick about with it because it took so many risks in what it was saying. Like it mm-hmm. just flat out said stuff. It right. wasn't pussyfooting around. Like the the way Luke Cage dresses. If you've seen the comics, you know how Luke Cage dressed in the early comics with the 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 fr- frilly, frilly like right. But I mean, he had that that yellow blouse, the tight the blue tights, and the blouse. tiara and the a bracelets. Blouse. It was a blouse. That's what I said. The, the yellow blouse, <laughs> and even in the even in the later you know incarnations, he's a t-shirt and jeans guy, right? Which is um, better, but still. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, Mike. They Coulter, straight up tell you in the production that they're like, yeah, he wears that hoodie for Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was uh, that was Mike Coulter's contribution to the the image of Luke Cage was that hoodie because. Because in Jessica Jones, he was more like the Bendis version of, of Luke where he was T-shirt and jeans. Right. Which really, that hoodie, because, I mean, he he like he wears it a bit before. Actually, I don't think he wears it before he actually starts acting. The minute he decides he's going to put, he's going to do something is when he puts that hoodie on. And right. the hoodie has the, has the colors on it because, I mean, it's black, but it's got the yellow on the inside. So it's a reflection of empowerment. Mm-hmm. That, that hoodie kind of becomes... That Luke Cage's costume, right? 
Because he goes through a lot of different hoodies. Right. <laughs> but that was the one that sticks out because that's the hoodie he wears the longest. It's the yellow inside black hoodie. Well, that's right. the Carhartt ad hoodie. That's the product placement. Now, now, of course, you can't mention the hoodies without the the recurring joke of, is that a 2X? 2X yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a beautiful moment. That moment where the entire, pretty much the entire city, everybody, black, white, Hispanic, everybody that supports Luke Cage is wearing those hoodies. Mm-hmm. They purposely cut holes in them just so nobody knows where he is because they're protecting him. Right. And and yeah, then that kind of that, that brings us to the these are the types of street level heroes that Marvel creates. You and know, the entire bigger, city of New York pulls yeah, you know, Harlem and in associated neighborhoods. And on a bigger, to bigger scale than that, it's, it's honestly a call for people to start unifying against this stuff, too. Because, I mean, it's starting to happen, but there's still mm-hmm. lines. And that's true. And they also they also uh, address police violence mm-hmm. um, when they're, they're looking for Luke Cage. And they just go on the police, just go on this crazy manhunt. Which they're perfectly fine with as long as the, the street level thugs. It's like, yeah, you know Luke Cage. Luke Cage ran into you once. It's like he made me drop my gun. I don't know what to do. And right. then that one kid, the kid that he saved in the barbershop mm-hmm. when he gets shot up, that's that kid's a straight A student. His mother's one of the top lawyers in the city up and coming, and oh, they assault him. Well, she's up and coming. She ain't quite top level, but she's known and she's a lawyer. Doesn't she and work they for assault Jared? him? Yeah, I think so. And Jaren fact, being, of course, a, another ca- character we see in Jessica Jones, right. who is a big part of the Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, she's, uh, she's not a nobody, you know? And that's the wrong kid to jump. And that's when people start paying attention to what's going on with the police department, because they jump a kid that... Right. Well, they don't yeah. just jump him. They beat, like, him they beat the, the crap out of him. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the issues like that are addressed. This is also the first of the series that have actually taken political issues, mm-hmm. like or social issues, and addressed them. Uh, aside right. from vague, like you know, the like Jessica Jones was like the ennui of existence. And how well, that and I mean Jessica Jones is a little bit bigger than that because of the uh, the sexual assault aspect of it, right? Right. Because that's but something I mean, that doesn't that get talked like, about either. But like, even that was was a lot more veiled than well, right. it's I mean, it's a. Uh, Honestly, that, that's even a bigger reflection of society too. Because just like right now, what's more comfortable to talk? Like, as uncomfortable as the race issue is to talk about, it's still something people are more comfortable talking about than a woman being dominated and abused by a man. Right, that's true. So that but, still reflects the society we're in. Mm-hmm. All right, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> Damn you! Little I little almost little. snorted water. <laughs> <laughs> He almost killed me. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Steve admitted he was wrong. Oh, uh, I need to write but, this down. This also, is a momentous day. <laughs> it only happens. It must be like uh, oh, it's fifth of November. That's what it is. Yeah, that's right. Remember, remember the fifth of November, <laughs> the day that Steve admitted he was wrong. Um, but also it kind of keeps in with the theme of Luke Cage in, in, in that Luke Cage has always been a very in your face kind of character. 
Which and, is very interesting considering how subdued his character and, is in mm-hmm. the TV show. Because yeah. he is a man of very few words in the TV show. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, and... But he does not once once he decides that he's going to use his powers to help people, he does not hesitate. No, he just goes because he knows he understands. Like you think, like most like you you watch superhero movies, like use Spider Man for example. Mm-hmm. Spider Man, you can tell he still doesn't quite grasp the effect that his powers are going to have. Right when he does stuff. Luke Cage, the whole reason he didn't do anything was he understood why his powers, what his powers would do once he started. It's mm-hmm. like, once I start, I can't stop what I start. If I start, I have to go to the end. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's why he was so hesitant to even act for so long. It's like, nah, if I start this, there is no well, stopping. Once I open that box, it's over. <laughs> also, also we're, we're talking about a character who is in hiding, he's an escape mm-hmm. uh, inmate. He's not just giving up his freedom. He's risking people's lives. That's what he's realizing. Well, and exactly. One of his, the guy who could finger him mm-hmm. is right, is his right there. enemy's right-hand man. Right. And he knows he knows who he is because they recognize each other and they know who each other are. Right. Well, he, exactly. didn't, recognize him, he didn't recognize him until um, he fought. Until he saw him fight. Mm-hmm. No, he recognized then, him right before that. He recognized him when they were in the barbershop. For I don't the, think he, I don't think he, he recognized him. He recognized him. You can see it in his eyes. He recognized him. He, I don't think he was 100% sure, but he was pretty sure that's who he was. But he really once knew that, who he was. Once everything happened, that's when he was like, oh, I got no doubt that's who you are. They knew who each other were. Because, I mean, Luke kind of had the same reaction with him. Although... One of the perks of casting who they cast for Blade, uh, for uh, Shades, is that Shades has a very distinctive face. The actor does, mm-hmm. so there's really no mistaking him. Well, then Carl Lucas had the, had that prison makeup. Thing. <laughs> I was that, if there is one nitpick I have, it's that at that moment where, that episode where he's in jail and the fake wig and the fake facial hair. <laughs> But even that, I'm cool with because it's making a statement in its own right. Because that was just the campy fun. It's the campy fun of it. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. You, you. He has this decision to help people up until the point he uses his powers. You know, to make you know by accident. You know, to make it look you know like oh, I didn't do anything special. It wasn't until he goes into Genghis Khani's, who Genghis Khani is a great little bit part character as well. You know, she's just a tough as nails landlord, and then they soften up to it. Um, but when they're when the when the Mariah's men are shaking down Khani for for donations, he just couldn't walk you know, past it, and he just he, he just didn't walk past it. it. He just comes in. He's like. As you can see like it, you see that hesitation for a minute. It's like, if I do this, it's over. I can't, well, also, I can't be this anymore. He owes kind of money. Well, yeah, he owes her money, <laughs> right. but it's, it's also New right. York. So he's so he's not really certain that he wants to show up in Genghis County's restaurant, 
because she might turn around and go, hey, screw you guys trying to rob me or whatever. You know, Where you my know, money? Where's got the money? Where my money? Get it from him. <laughs> right. Where my money? He got my money. You get my money from him. <laughs> but, you know, he, and he comes in and he's like, I don't like your tone. You know, and it's like, yeah, now that's, that's Luke Cage right there. And probably one of the more graphic scenes of the show is when the guy jumps up, Amos, Right, and and tries to take a swing on Luke Cage. And he just stands there, and you, you see, see his arm break. All the bones. You see every bone in his hand down to his wrist, and up his wrist shattered. Yeah, it's it's one of the <laughs> best slow things. motion, and it's so beautiful. You know, and they they keep not making these nods toward the hero for hire uh, mm-hmm. thing, and and how yeah, they've they, changed they, they the character. Pay, they asked to pay him. For protection, mm-hmm. and he says, "I'm not a, I'm not a hero for hire." Right, <laughs> and and instead of becoming a hero for hire like he does in the comics, in the comics he goes back to Harlem, and he just immediately goes into, "I'm, you know, I'm going to use my powers in this mercenary kind of line of work. People are going to pay me, and I'm going to use my powers to help them." In in this series, they they flip that, and he's reluctant to use his powers. And people keep offering to pay him for his services protecting the neighborhood, and he keeps refusing it. Um, well, it's interesting because that's kind of what the thugs are extorting the money for. It's the old protection racket. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you pay out for the week, and your place won't burn down. Right. You donate to Christmas Addicts. Right. So, yeah. I mean, people are used to that mentality. Right. And they think, well, you know, here comes a guy who... You know, this bigger and better than them, so obviously he must want the same thing. Right, and he right. can actually provide. He, I mean, he won't be if we don't pay him. He won't burn down our our shops. He'll actually, you know, if we pay him, he'll protect us. Right, I'll, we can't I'll shoot him. Do it anyway. Yeah, you know, we can't shoot him. We can't hit him. You know, so I'm getting so well. tired of buying new clothes. Yeah, <laughs> these suits are expensive. Yeah. You know, well, he got the free one from the boxing club. That's right. <laughs> I think he got a lot of free ones because he just he took off people at their wow. Yeah. He just started taking <clears throat> them off people. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think he bought his first three, and then after that, he just took them from people. Right, <laughs> he, he was buying the Carhartts, and then once he stopped wearing the Carhartts, is when he was taking them off people. Right. You know, and and method, of course, just gave him his. He's like, yeah, yeah. here you go. Already was, was like, oh. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, hell, Method Man, he was in there, he, two scenes, and and he had his his uh, Method Man was song that he wrote. Like, I know there's people that are going to hear this and not quite like understand what I'm saying, but Method Man was the entire black community <laughs> at that one moment. It's like oh, I got that. when he was when, when he's just geeking out about meeting him. Mm-hmm. It's like. That that is how the black community has been since this show came out. Because there are so many people that that it's like it's still that a pretty deep divide in how you're supposed to act as a black person in, mm-hmm. in terms of what you're into and what you aren't. There are a lot of people that don't admit they're into comic books or so on and so forth. Right, and just as many people that aren't into it that have watched this show and gone, man, yes, this is the truth. In mm-hmm. my community, and it's like that's the shit. That's what the show is. The show is just been a beacon for so many people. 
Right. Well, you don't you don't just have Method Man geeking out over Luke Cage. You had Luke Cage geeking out over Method. Look, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'd have geeked out too <laughs> if I was Luke Cage. That it's you. Oh, oh, oh shit, it's you. <laughs> you know, and that was that was just like a really nice change of pace. There I, are. I've been hard pressed to walk back outside that hoodie though, man. Just because it would if it got shot up, I'd be pissed. Right. <laughs> And you know, it's like I'm. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. That was an accident. I didn't mean. Give me a phone, fool. <laughs> <laughs> really? You gonna throw the guns at me after you shot me? <laughs> How's that gonna work? Yeah. Nobody quite believes that he's bulletproof either. Nope. They just no, keep the shooting fact, him and shooting not him. Not just shooting. that. If people that have shot him before, it's like, man, the one scene where you go, yeah, that's realistic, and they've learned their lesson are, are cotton mouse dudes. When they're right. giving them new guns, and Luke walks up, and they look at him, and they just throw the guns down and run. <laughs> no, there, was the, there was the one scene, there was the one scene where he goes up, and he's talking, to, he wants to go and question Zip, and all these guys are around him. He's like, who was at Christmas Addicts the other night? And they all run. <laughs> and, and then they're getting new guns from uh, the guy from Daredevil. They just leave them. <laughs> and it's like, do I have to ask it a second time? And they... <laughs> mm-hmm. But that poor guy. Man, I'm yeah. going back to Hell's Kitchen. Where it's safe. <laughs> 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 now, you know, I, I, I almost peed myself during that particular scene because the last time we... The last time we saw that character, he had gotten his hands crushed in the trunk of his car by Daredevil. And then the snot kicked out of it. Yeah, he got off pretty, pretty clean. And that's why he's in Harlem. Yeah, Luke, Luke Cage let him off easy. He just put him in a dumpster. <laughs> he's like, there's, there's food in there. <laughs> that ain't funny, man. Let me out. <laughs> there's dirty diapers in here. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, you, you've got you've got Luke Cage being. I mean, going back to kind of the the captain being the Captain America of the Defenders, you know, is that Luke Cage overall is a character that everybody can just look up to. Because well, he really reflects uh, the mo- the movie Captain America in terms of his uh his 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 stalwartness once he starts. Mm-hmm. Like he's much more hesitant than Cap would be to act, but once he decides that this is the right thing to do, he does not waver. Right, right. He's very, very similar to to, to the film version of Captain America. That oh, way. and there's also another. Uh, it's part of the controversies okay. surrounding the cage. Um, he's also been accused of being conservative, like Captain America. Well, yes, that's one that I've found hilarious because. Again, like I said, there are certain things in my community that you're not considered black if you don't do it. For one, uh, I, I remember there's, I haven't heard a lot of it, but there have been a few people that have been like, well, he's uh, he's being too exploitation era because he doesn't curse and he doesn't like the use of the N-word. Mm-hmm. This is 2016. What do you mean you don't like the use of the N-word? And to that, I'd like to retort, when they stop burning churches and burning crosses in people's yards and trying putting nooses around young black students' necks in, in Mississippi because it's funny, 
and stop putting dummies of black feet, black people hanging in their their yards and trees, we call it Halloween decorations. Then that word will stop being offensive. Until then, there is no such thing as reclaiming it, and we need to stop using it. That's how I personally feel. And I hate to tell you this, I wasn't even a thought in the 1970s. Mm. So to say that that Luke Cage is a reflection of a a bygone era in that aspect, he's not. That's still a very valid concern for a community. And to say it's not, it's shortchanging the problem. Because if you if you would say that, like if I I, I ain't gonna say I ain't never said that word before because I do say it. I use it around family. I'm trying to get better about it, but it's part of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, other than use than quoting or the occasional slip up, I have never said that around my white friends. You know why? Because I don't want them to be under the misinformation that they can use that word and then walk into the wrong place to say it and get the shit stomped out of them. Because they will. And if that's how you feel, if somebody of another race uses that word towards you, whether it be the A or the hard NR, then you don't need to use that word. Mm-hmm. But it's not just Luke Cage that, that no. questions that word either. Mariah questions. No, it's not. And it's just, it lets you know that, that the people that that say that stuff have already made up their mind how they feel about people that say that. It's like, oh, it's the old heads that say that? It's not. It's a valid concern. Like, I don't want to get super political about the, the racial tensions in the U.S., but we're getting killed every day. And it seems like people stop caring. That should let you know that maybe we should reassess how we treat ourselves and maybe other people will start to care. And I think that's where that was going in the series rather than it being a throwback to a bygone era because there's no such thing. It's still a problem. Right, right. Like yep. If they won't play it on the radio, just saying. Cage is not what well, I think. What the conservative thing it was also, I think that was part of it. And then there was just his uh, his reluctance to act in the beginning, just to keep his head down, power through life. You know, I find that funny too. That people are making that argument for being conservative. Uh, they yeah. must have forgotten what it's like to live in black neighborhoods because how many times has it happened where somebody gets killed in somebody's front yard and nobody saw anything? Right. Mm-hmm. How many times has somebody robbed a store and the cops come asking questions and I didn't see nothing? Right. Yes, you did. You know that, who that was. And that was addressed in, in the show as well. That's what's called keeping your head down. That's what Luke was doing. He wasn't making waves. Right. <laughs> Well, and he had very good reasons not to make waves. Right. And we talked about and, earlier. and to be fair, most of the people that keep their heads down in the hood have good reason to do it, too, because they don't want to end up like that person that just got killed. Mm-hmm. The now, point still stands, though, is if you're going to say he's being too conservative, he's not. He's doing what the black community's been doing for generations. If you see it, you didn't see it. And you can make an argument that the current um, comic book, Luke Cage, is, is a conservative and I completely agree with you, 
Yeah, I can't speak on the new comics because like I hadn't been reading comics since. Oh, he's a he's a like, businessman. 2000, he's... 2004. So like I've read bits and pieces of stuff, but like I don't really know anything about the new one. Yeah, like, in terms of the show, the he's not. He monetized the Avengers. You know, so. I'm shocked that Tony Stark didn't do that first. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Tony Stark had money. <laughs> he didn't need still, to. Still, still. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm shocked Tony Stark didn't do it first. All Tony, but all Tony Stark is worried about monetizing is Iron Man. You know, right. it's like Captain America. He can go be a free symbol of all whatever stuff. But this is my tech right here. This is Tony Stark. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's funny because when uh, when the characters got inverted mm-hmm. and, and Luke Cage didn't really change much <laughs> it was just a little bit more cutthroat about it but he really didn't change much right you know and yeah I'm hoping they do a second season I'm hoping they have that, to. the way they uh, ended it, they have to do another yeah, that, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping that that Luke Cage comes back. I would really be, like to see them do another season of Luke Cage before, at least not going to into the Defenders, mm-hmm. explaining how he comes back. If he's just right. back in the Defenders, I would like to see them do. Uh, well, this is what happened to get him back in a Luke Cage second season. I, I would like to see. I would like to see him in the second half of Iron Fist. Well, that too. I would accept that. I have a feeling that Defenders is going to spend the first episode with uh, how each, you know, four segments on how each um, hero got there. Hmm. Yeah. Because there's a lot left in in the cage, to be told. For one, you have Mariah. Oh, yeah. They they set up so many different uh, plot arcs, um, and and ways to tie in everything to the other shows. Uh, even though he's in jail, the kingpin is a constant shadow, even over Cottonmouth and Mariah. Mm-hmm. You know because which, he's the you know, fucking kingpin. Yeah, right. which I'm I'm interested to see how they uh, how they deal with the the, the top. Boss man and boss ladies in each of the stories mm-hmm. in terms well, of the, the just, defenders coming together. They and, were and mentioned. <laughs> they were mentioned that they mentioned the kingpin. Uh, they mentioned uh, what's her name, Madam Gao. Madam Gao. Right. I mean, and that's your three. That's your three big crime bosses. Like right there, you had Cottonmouth in Harlem, Madam Gao in Chinatown, and the kingpin in Hell's Kitchen. You know, the kingpin's in jail, but he's still I'm running bad. shit. Yeah, Mariah's in a very interesting place because she still got her political career. She's still got her political career. Um, you know, On she's top struggling of the crime through that. It's like she got both. Like she's got so much power right now. It's just crazy how much power oh, yeah. she's just managed to grab. Oh, and mostly by accident. Out of the way. Mostly by accident. Mo- mostly by accident and, and shrewd maneuvering. Because yeah, every time something happened, and she, she was right there. Spinning it mostly shades, yes. Like shades. shades was the by accident part. <laughs> she didn't. Like she didn't start. Like she didn't start into what she started trying to get criminal power. She just was trying to save her career, and she had a moment of, I got a lot of pent up hate, and I'm about to take it out. <laughs> right. So and then she watched Diamondback slaughter all of her rivals. 
when right. she wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. she and she's there. like, I'm done. And he's like, I'll tell you one. when you're done. Right. Right. Although as ruthless as, as Mariah is, and you see how ruthless she is, you really have to wonder exactly how scared of Diamondback she was. Because you know he got to her, but just how bad was it? Because you know some of that wasn't fear. It was her playing her cards. Right. Well, she said so as much at that meeting. He said as much to her. He knew she wasn't really scared of him. No, she knew. She knew what the stakes were. That you know, she has to That's play it this way. One of the reasons he didn't kill her, he found her intriguing because she was not afraid of him. Right. Like everybody at that table was pissing themselves when he came in. Mm -hmm. Well, even Cottonmouth. <laughs> I mean, when Shades first appears, oh, Cottonmouth was definitely scary. And and he just mentions the name Diamondback. Cottonmouth is like, oh, don't be bringing Diamondback. You know this. what? Since we're on the topic of those three, why don't mm -hmm. we talk about the differences? Between them and the comics. Okay. Because they're pretty big differences minus Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth's probably the one that's the closest to the comics. Right. Now, yeah, you had uh, Diamondback being uh, Carl Lucas's old running partner in Harlem. Striker. The uh, master of the knife. Whereas Lucas was, was the fist of cuffs. Right. Nobody could touch him with the fists, and nobody could touch uh, Diamondback with a knife. Which is where he got the name Diamondback. That and that snappy suit. That snappy that suit. snappy suit and that square head. Let's see if you <laughs> can find that snappy suit. Now, um, if you want to see an example of that snappy suit in the show, well, when he gets that power suit he's wearing, it looks a lot like the snappy suit. So to speak. That that Justin Hammer. Oh, no, I'm talking about. Yeah, there you go. That's the snappy suit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about that too. His power suit looks like that. <laughs> yeah. That collar's awesome. Oh yeah. Well there were collars aplenty in, in all of the Luke Cage books. Um but Diamondback is the one that's out for revenge in the television series and he's just kind of running his game in Harlem in in the comics. And right. yeah, he's definitely a much bigger like all of them have much bigger plans than they do in the comics. Mm -hmm. Really. Now, Shades is more of a bit player in the comics. Uh, we see him in issue one, uh, planning a, a ah. prison protest. And, and one of those, and one of these, just a second, a slight against people that say this show's too black. Is Shades, Shades was black is not Puerto Rican in the comics? He's black. Yep. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, oh, for that matter, Claire is also black in the comics. Mm hmm. And she's Cuban. Hell, Claire, hell of an Afro. Hell of an yeah, Afro. Claire's That's got a power Afro. Afro. Right. <laughs> but it's not as powerful as Misty's. No, Misty's got that, that Afro. <laughs> Claire could be one of the backup singers on Parliament Funkadelic with that Afro. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, those, those, the artwork in those books, man. So when you want to go say that they cast an entirely black cast, you're wrong. They actually I mean, changed some black characters <laughs> to, to other races. There's shades. Yep. See, he's a guy wearing sunglasses. Although he has a similar chin. He has a similar chin. Yep. <laughs> but um, probably one of the best moments I saw in issue one. Sorry. I had the joke. Speaking okay. of a bigger role in the comics. 
<laughs> Black Mariah. Yeah, Black literal. Mariah is a very different character than she was yeah. in the comics. Oh yeah. She's literally bigger. Yes. She 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 could throw toe to toe with Luke. Just put it that way. Yep. She was and, not a politician. <laughs> nope. Nope. And she, uh her and Cotton Mouth were not a beach ball. Right. I think uh I think for the, the comics they split Mabel and Black Mariah. They split Black Mariah into Mabel and Mariah. Right. Uh because Black Mariah is very similar in to Mabel. So mm-hmm. now you guys know that um Luke, the Luke Cage uh, TV show is set in the same universe as uh, our Roman Masks of Nyarlathotep. That's right. Wait, what? <laughs> Mama Mabel. Mama oh, Mabel yeah. runs a bar. You know how long friend. ago that was? You know how long ago that was? <laughs> <laughs> Christ, that was over a year ago. <laughs> right. So, so you know, we all know that Julian Benoit inspired Daredevil and Luke Cage. <laughs> Not now, to mention what he was the inspiration for the Shadow. <laughs> he inspired. Now we're getting off on a we're getting off on a tangent. All right, sorry. <laughs> now, now oh, some of Luke Cage's attitude comes through in the character. I mean. One of my favorite moments, for regardless of what you think about the writing of, of Archie Goodwin and the first couple of issues of, of Luke Cage Hero for Hire, is the scene in the prison where Shades and Comanche are sitting there and they're talking about organizing the uh, protest at the prison. Right. And Luke Cage is like, nah, I don't want any part of it. And Comanche pulls that knife. And he punches Comanche in the face. He's like, how are you going to cut me with your knife hand catching your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's, the, you know, and a lot of that, once he starts using his powers and he's, he's, he's got that attitude going on. Um, oh, he's definitely got the one line at the time. It's just, oh yeah. It's a, he's a lot more quiet imposing than he is in the comics. <laughs> You know, um, and I think well, it works better for that character he's playing in the, in the TV show. It's just mm-hmm. that he's not; he doesn't say much, but when he says something, you pay attention to it. Right, right. But he's 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 got he's got that attitude, and it comes out occasionally because you know Luke Cage doesn't take shit off anybody. There's that one the in the first episode, the scene of the shop. He takes shit yeah, off. Yeah, Pops is the only one. But I mean, uh-huh. that was respect. That's what that was. Right. He'll he take shit off of Pops. He'll take shit off of Misty. He but, takes shit off of Misty to a point. <laughs> right. Now, now there's that one scene in the, in the barbershop where they're talking about basketball and stuff like that, and, and Luke says something, and the guy that was the ex-basketball player, and he gets up and he's about, I'm about sick and tired, of, and Luke just turns around like, of what? Yeah, he, he was uh, telling me, he was bragging, the, the guy in the chair was bragging about how, how famous he was, he's getting right. all the honeys and stuff. And Luke and, called him out on it. He's like, yeah, that was how many years ago? And now right, you're sitting now, there, you ain't got no job, you can't pay for your haircut. You know, just he read him. <laughs> right, and he's, and the guy jumps up and he like wants want some and he's like, I'm about sick and tired. You about sick and tired of what? Now that was the first... I'm about sick and tired of Nick's losing. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the first scene 
in the whole series. Mm-hmm. And it sucked you right in. Oh, yeah. Because now for me, that's when I lived in New York. Mm-hmm. Was that Knicks team they were talking about? Right. And I mean, that's what we watched every night. This is like back when basketball was watchable. Right. And it, it was. It was like Oakley and Starks and, uh, and um, Ewing, Pat Riley. And I was like, holy shit. That was like my time. And like from there, it was just like, bam, you got me. Right. You got me. Completely. You got me. To me, I didn't have the sports talk per se, but like I've been in barbershops. Cause I mean, you, I was little, I, I got cousins that cut hair and do hair. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd hang around the shop sometimes cause you know, my mom would be on one side and the barbershop was on one side, beauty shop was on the other and I'd go back and forth between them. And they'd be having conversations like that. That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of the culture. And it's just, that's how it sucks you in. Cause it's like, yeah, I know that I've been in that. <laughs> and Bobby Fisher being, you know, Bobby fish being the guy. That's just there all the time. Yeah, it's like <laughs> never getting, never getting his haircut, never getting a shave, just sitting in the window playing chess. <laughs> yep, best character in the whole series. Oh yeah, he was he was awesome. He was you don't realize how important he is until after everything happens because it's just like he's just throw like he seems throwaway, but he's mm-hmm. always there. <laughs> but he never left the shop. No, he, he didn't. Never left. He never the left the shop. <laughs> Even after it got shot up. He's Even so after he got shot up, Luke Cage comes Even back he got shot and finds Fish asleep in one of the chairs because you know, he's been sitting there cleaning it up all night. Because, you know, hey, it's And what was the him. first thing he did? He fixed that chess table. <laughs> and he moved it away from the window. Yep. Because <laughs> Bobby Fish ain't no fool. No, man, because if he had been there, he'd have been dead because that's where he was sitting. But... <laughs> But Fish also also kind of takes over for Pops. Yeah, he, know, he in, becomes in that, another voice of reason. Like between yeah. it's between him and Claire. Him and Claire kind of split, split the duties. Right. Pops had. He, he really he becomes like the, the philosophical voice. And then right. and then Claire becomes and, and, the pra- the practical voice. Right. Like, the, the conscience. This is why. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's that's the way it is. Is that Bobby is he's he's analytical. He's the strategic mind. And in his own way, thing. Luke became Pops. Pops' shadow over mm-hmm. Cottonmouth because Luke was what Pops was trying to get Cottonmouth to see he could be. Right. Really, Cottonmouth was the the biggest tragedy of the whole series. He was. Mm-hmm. He was a lost child. That's what that's what Cottonmouth was. He was a lost child. The the saddest episode wasn't Pop's death to me. It was the tragedy of Cottonmouth losing his innocence. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Cottonmouth never wanted to be what he became. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, he was good enough to go to Juilliard. He right. Could have been, he could have been the next Herbie Hancock. Mm-hmm. And and really and truly, his happiness was the club. It wasn't the operation. Oh, he- he reveled exactly. in that music. Is yeah. like that's one of the things I like about it. like that music speaks to me because like I'm a fan of most of those musicians that were there. Mm-hmm. It's like I grew up on some of that music, and the other music is like I'm just personally a fan of it. Like I told you when I was watching the first episode, what was the first thing I wrote to you? It's like they just slapped me in the face with Raphael Sadiq. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm sold. They ain't got to do nothing else. <laughs> and 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 in that scene. 
Not only did they, good man. they catch you with Raphael Sadiq, they, they hit you with a message. Too. Every character, all the main characters. In particular, that was a lot of Luke and a lot of Cottonmouth, and that really spoke too because the song he was singing was "Good Man," and it's mm-hmm. a song about a good man, literally mm-hmm. trying to trying to trying to provide and everything. It's just, you know <laughs> that 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 story of a good man trying to provide for his family, be be what he can be, do right, but wrong is right there. And guess what they were? This Cottonmouth was one side of the coin, Luke was another side of the coin. Mm-hmm. But they also introduced the uh, the opposite sides of the coin with the female characters as well. Mm-hmm. Because they introduced Misty and Misty Mariah. And Mariah. Now, so, those are the best um, in literature in general, but especially like in, in comics, the best um, villains are basically the dark sides of the heroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what Mariah is in, in that you didn't see right then. Like, you got glimpses of it, but you didn't have a clue how ruthless Mariah was. Right, and, and Mariah... Kind of was sympathetic. Mariah is ruthless. Right, Mariah right. is not only, like, the dark side, like a shadow of Luke Cage, she's also the shadow of Cottonmouth. And she is also that everything that Luke has been trying to not do mm-hmm. is Mariah. Mariah doesn't care. She stepped on anybody's neck. Right, right. She is also a shadow of Misty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas Misty uses the system to benefit others. Misty is the ideal. Mariah is the reality. Right. I well, well, Mariah uses the system for one thing and one and thing. And Misty can't That's use Mariah. the system because Mariah is using it for that one. Like right. everything Misty tries to do gets corrupted by the system. Mariah mm-hmm. is that corruption in the system. Oh, just that 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 one scene where um, Mariah gets get makes her bail, or they just let her go, and uh, she 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 uh, turns to go and sees the captain or the the supervisor, and they go, oh, "Are you going to be at the blah 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 tonight?" Oh yeah, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm like they're friends, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you? Like, it's just like can't it, it's do just about that. And that's one of the, again, going back to the Misty and Luke thing, they're both growing exponentially during the story because Luke is just finally embracing who he is, and then Misty's realizing she doesn't have a clue who she is in terms of what she's doing. Right. Because she thought, like, she's the one that thought she had control. Luke's the one that thought he didn't have any control. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's the other way around. Luke has control. Misty doesn't. Right. Now another another interesting thing is you also realize that the inspector, uh, Misty's new boss, right. you know, is not corrupted. No, you she comes soon, across as it. As soon as she gets the evidence, on. as yeah. soon as she sees the evidence against Mariah, she turns on her friend like that because she's doing wrong and I'm mm-hmm. a cop. Right. You know, and and she does that, and she becomes. She starts out as kind of an enemy of Misty. She's a leash that Misty didn't know she needed. Right, and turns around, and she becomes like Misty's greatest ally within the department. Because you know, uh, honestly, if Misty had listened to her a little bit more earlier, it probably could have gotten Mariah. Right, Misty got ahead of herself. That's how she got hurt. She got ahead of herself trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Now, in uh, the, the other Marvel uh, shows, the Netflix shows, we when we were talking about them, we always talked about the color palette. Right. Um, reflecting the moods. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas we, we had uh, uh, Jessica Jones was just, remember, it was really great. Really cold. It's really, really cold. Well, yeah. Really cold. Jessica Jones, Jones was was really cold. But they also included those splashes of purple right. everywhere. And, and Daredevil was very dark. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, it makes sense. It's the cold palette, though, because she's very closed off from everyone. Luke right. Cage was very warm. the brightest very warm. Mm-hmm. of all of them. Um, the color palette was huge. It got uh, brighter as the show went. Because like, uh-huh. as he embraced who he was, that's the color palette grew. Yeah. And also, yeah, the, the the filter on the camera was kind of toward the yellow side. There were a lot of daylight shots. It's a, it's yeah. a really warm palette because he, he mm-hmm. was hope. Of right. the three shows so far, he's the hope. And again, reinforcing that he's the Captain America of the of the Defenders. You know, he's, so he's the one. Batman, no. <laughs> um. You know, it's really hard to say because they, you know, Jessica Jones and, and Daredevil don't fit in, you know, with That's the other characters. That's why right. They, right. They don't quite fit in. Um, you know, maybe Daredevil is an inversion of Tony Stark, you know, being, you know, broke. <laughs> he's poor. And, right. He's poor. <laughs> Um, you know, Jess is is kind of a Black Hulk. Widow character and a bit of a Hulk. More the Hulk. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you know, Danny will be Falcon. <laughs> I I want to say that you know I understand where they want to have Luke Cage compared to Captain America mm-hmm. because. In universe, Captain America, and and marketing wise, I think Captain it's America, more of a tone thing. Uh, it, it helps with selling stuff, but well, I, in ideal terms, they kind of reflect each other. But honestly, it's not so much Captain America and Luke Cage is reflected. Luke Cage is kind of like John Henry mm-hmm. from folklore. Right. That's where the connection comes is because it's that American history part of it. It's like Luke Cage is that strong foundation of something. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say that Captain America is the face of Marvel right now. If you close your eyes and think of Marvel, yeah. it's Cap. It used to be Spidey. Now it's Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I say it's about 50... Like, until they get her in the movies, it's Captain Marvel, in my opinion. As I feel like she's really present in the comics, not so much as I mean, she hadn't made it to movies yet. Hmm. Perhaps you know, and you could also make the argument that that uh, Iron Man is is the face of Marvel Comics. Uh, I guess it really depends on where you're focusing your attention because there is a lot of Carol Danvers in Marvel Comics. Right. Uh, she was a big player in Civil War Two. It's like it's like she doesn't. Like, I, once they get her in the movies, mm-hmm. it'll be easier to say it's her. But in terms of like the fact that the movies are way more prevalent than the comics are, because more people are going to see the movies than they are going to read the comics, just because you know there aren't a lot of people that are willing to read the comics. Right. It's going to be Cap. Right. So, but if you look at the Defenders, the history of the actual Defenders, right. not the show, 
the defenders are the loners. Right, they're the loners, the misfits. The original defenders were uh, Strange, mm-hmm. Hulk, uh, and Namor. Right. And Valkyrie was no, she came later. Right. right. Was, I think there was one more. Um. Well, let's see. Once they got to Luke, Luke was a defender. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like the the original. Um. Defenders comics. I mean, it was right. basically you had like a similar situation where with the Avengers is there was a threat that no one hero could take care mm-hmm. of, and these guys got together to do it, but they didn't like each other enough. Right, right. They were kind of a, a dirty they, dozen kind of thing. Yeah, they were loners. They they didn't want to work as a team, so they just made it so that. Um, the next time something like this happens, we'll call each other and take care of it. But right, we're right. not meeting. Well, the defenders themselves, <laughs> regardless of what iteration of the team, all of the characters are loners. I mean, you know, even though Ben Grimm is with the Fantastic Four, he's still he's still kind of he's the, the odd man of the out. Bunch. Yeah. Well, he's the one that that really can't fit in because he can't be normal like they can walk out and nobody know who they are if they really want to he can't hide who he is you know what I'm saying though it's like even you celebrities you can put on a wig or something and nobody know who you were right well it's comic book so you can just put on glasses well yeah honestly in real life depending on who you are you can just put on glasses and walk out and nobody know who you were well, Ben Graham, to be fair, Ben Graham puts on a hat and trench coat and he can pretty much walk around. That's the it. comic book part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that he's like, Street, man. The fact that he's like eight and a half, nine feet tall and made of rocks. You know what? Hey, you're really big. <laughs> you're a big motherfucker. But uh, you have it, to wonder if in the Marvel universe there aren't like regular nine and a half feet tall people just walking around. That's why nobody reacts. Uh, yeah, that's why they have the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. <laughs> which Big Rem joined for a while. Wow. Thank you, Marvel. Thank you for making the weird normal. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess there are you know people that size walking around all the time. I mean, help. Colossus. True. <laughs> he's pushing. He's pushing seven when he's. It's like Colossus doesn't grow either. He just gets the hard skin. It's like, he's yeah. Russian. I think they just ignore it. Ben Grimm wasn't a small guy to begin with. No, no. he wasn't. He got he wasn't. Yeah. I don't think he grew all that much when he changed. Uh, no, I think he did grow some. I, no, I mean like height. a whole lot. Like not as much yeah. as we imagine he did. I don't. Know, I think it was like got, a few inches. It wasn't. I think he got bulkier. Yeah. Right. I think he did grow like height wise a little bit because you know if you see some of the old, uh, you know, like the old group shots of when he's human, he's he's at least a foot shorter as Ben Grimm than he is as the thing. He he did bulk up, um, because I I think at one point Reed might have been drawn as taller than than Ben. Reed could be as tall as he wants to be. Well, yeah. You know, funny enough, at least. The way I usually think about it in my head is Reed is always taller than Ben. I think he does it willingly now, but I think he was taller than him. And this might be a subconscious thing where he makes himself taller than him now. 
Interesting. And and I think they also always draw uh, Grim kind of squatting. Yeah. They're hunched over. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of him trying not to, to stand out. I think just just get curvy. used to hunching over. That, you know, that body's got to be heavy. Yeah. It's also Jack Kirby. You can't draw anybody at rest. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Everybody, when they're standing there, their shoulders are slumped forward and their heads are down. Right. Or, or even like Reed Richards is always like got like his neck stretched out a little bit or something. Yeah. Or he's got one hand is like huge. <laughs> yeah. But that, sometimes he does that with perspective. That's not because he's like stretching. That's just because it's closer to the camera. And it is actually huge at the same time. Jack, Jack Kirby, man. Yeah, that's a good old Jack Kirby. All right, so I think that about wraps it up. Luke Cage was a fantastic series. We can't wait to see more of Mike Coulter playing yeah. the role. I mean, if you're on the fence about watching this thing and you have get Netflix, off of it, just watch Dude, it. Just man. watch it. Just watch it. Yeah, just watch. You'll you you'll be you'll be. I won't say you'll love it, but give it a chance. Yeah, it's you will it's, not love it. It's 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 a solid superhero show. It's also a solid crime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got pretty much, except for like huge drop, you know, fallout laughing moments. It's got everything. There are there are a few quick. Moments. It's got a it's got a there's, few. Yeah, huge there's like drop some out moments. The the so running weird. joke about the coffee is is I don't uh, drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. You don't like coffee. Uh, let's put it this way: if you played GTA San Andreas, you know what hot coffee is. <laughs> well, I was a. <laughs> it was some hot coffee in the first episode. I was going into uh, Ryan's work, and uh, I saw her supervisor. And uh, I walked by him, and he was like, I, have you been watching Luke Cage? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. And he's like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, Luke doesn't drink coffee, but he's not opposed to going out for something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Which, which, once again, um, demonstrates uh, Claire's intelligence. She understood immediately. To be fair, Misty did too. She right. just—it like, it took a second for her to click because she she knew what it was up. Yeah, because like Missy, Missy was like, "Wait, it's like four in the morning." Not to mention, she's like, "I don't drink coffee either." I don't drink coffee. Me neither. And yeah, oh. then it clicked. And then and then he was like, "You know, we should go out for coffee." And and Claire's like, "You don't drink coffee." And he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You drink orange juice." Yeah, I saw you had coffee. <laughs> you didn't touch your coffee. You drank the. Oh, oh! The best thing is like, so did he ask you out for coffee yet? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other thing that needs to be mentioned before we, we sign off is that the uh, shicey lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, if, Which one? The one that that was played by Wes. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to answer my question. No, you're not. <laughs> you could have lied. I'm gonna lie you good. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about to lie the shit out of it. <laughs> Wesley James Young, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you gotta catch him on Monday Night Heroes. Yeah, and man. He's he the shit out of you. If 
if he doesn't make you laugh, us making fun of him. It's Saturday songs. night and Wes is out for coffee. Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> I'm telling you, Wes is currently getting coffee. I <laughs> know. He's failing, probably. Failing to get that coffee, but he's trying. He's trying. <laughs> A lot of shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it's Wes. <laughs> so, yeah, once again, Luke Cage, great series. If you're on the fence about it, get off the fucking fence and watch it. Yeah, um, If you've already you seen it, watch it. Watch it again, because I'm going to watch it again. I just yeah. haven't had time yet. Watch it again, buy it if it comes out on DVD. Yeah, uh, the way Netflix works is the more you watch it, the more they're apt to make more of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's their Tell opinion. people to watch it. And watch it not, with somebody that hasn't seen it yet. If you've seen it, whatever it takes. And they actually have real numbers, not Nielsen numbers. Right. Who right. watches this? Because it's all computerized. Right. And and uh, one other quick announcement um, before, we, before we close out. Uh, Constantine is coming to DVD. And Blu-ray, so buy the shit out of that too. Yeah, buy there's still there's still hope that we can get more of that. Let's just right. give them all the reason in the world to make it happen. Yeah, That's so right. make Doctor Strange a priority to go see, so people know that you're interested in supernatural superhero drama. Mm-hmm. Buy the Constantine Blu-rays and DVDs, so people know you're interested in Constantine. Watch the first few episodes of Justice League Action, which has Constantine in it. In other words, if you're interested, go see it because right. otherwise, I'll keep making crap. Yeah, right. and you know, we all want Constantine. We want Constantine, not Murder Man. Yeah. Which Murder Man? Either Murder Man. <laughs> no more Murder Man versus Murder Man. Thank you, please. That's right. No more Murder Man versus Murder Man. We want the Superman who throws himself in front of the bullets. And the Batman that goes out of his way to not kill me. <laughs> right. What Batman is that? Adam West? <laughs> yes. Batman no. 66. <laughs> I want the animated Batman, damn it. <laughs> All right, citizens. So, yeah, Monday night we'll be doing uh, Mass of Nile, uh Pulp Cthulhu edition. Be back, so Wesley will be there. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> Lawing the shit out of the desert. Um, <laughs> Friday Fun Guy will be back on Friday. Yes, uh, we are playing in Devil's Butt. Devil's Butt? You think I'm lying? Go listen to the last episode. Devil's Butt, Arizona. Um, yep, yeah, they'll be back Friday. Call of Cthulhu in the Weird, Weird West. And we will be back next week with Star Creek by Nathan Carson. So, until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. That's right. <laughs> Gracie, would you like to go get some coffee? Oh, I don't go get coffee with Mary. You don't drink coffee, George. <laughs>